Hello, my friends. Welcome to this very quick sense-making session regarding the PMBOK Guide 7th edition. The main intent is to go over any questions that you may have for your PMP exam as it relates to the PMBOK Guide 7th edition. You do know that the 7th edition has been around now for going to a month at least. So there are bound to be questions and that's the purpose, to answer questions. So I'm going to go ahead and get everyone out of classroom mode. If you have any questions, feel free to go ahead and chat them in in the chat box. But for now, I will be talking majorly about how to look at this book called the PMBOK Guide 7th Edition. So when you take a look at the 7th edition, what do you see? Reduced in size compared to this one. Just take a look at that differential in size. Take a look, take a look, take a close look. You see that? You put the Agile Practice Guide next to it. It's not that big. Now, the way you need to look at the seventh edition, if you are taking the exam, do not read this book right now. If you're taking the exam 2021, yes, we're in Q3. I do not advise you to begin reading this book. Why? Because you might end up confusing yourself. Don't do it. I've said it a million times, but I keep getting the question, hey, Phil, should I read this book? No. Don't read it. You don't have to. Now, <laughs> you can only do this for so long. You know, I hear a lot of people say, no, the seventh has no impact. And I've been one of those people who have said the seventh has no impact right now. Right now is the additional word. But guess what's going to happen? In the passage of time, it is inevitable. This will eventually have some impact on the exam. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. It will. The more I comb through the dregs of the book, the more I realize there is only so long you're going to be able to hold off the gremlins of the sevens, <laughs> they're going to be coming for you. They're going to be jumping out of the book. There's a lot of great stuff in the seventh. And these things, as you might have been watching my videos, they've never been talked about before. So for now, you're still okay. But you do know, question writer syndrome, they're going to want to open this book and begin to pound questions out from it somehow. We've seen this happen across editions. We saw it on the 6th. We saw it on the 5th. The moment they introduced stakeholder management, everyone's like, oh my goodness, stakeholder questions are on the exam. The moment they introduced the change and we saw the Agile Practice Guide. Oh, Agile Practice Guide. It's going to happen. The question is, how long can we ward off the 7th Gremlins? from jumping out, out of the pages onto the exam. And I honestly don't think it's so far off. Right now, I tell people, don't read it, don't read it, don't read it, don't read it, don't read it. 
But I'm only going to be able to say that for so long. And anyone who's telling you otherwise, they're not being sincere. The time is coming when the seventh will begin to appear more and more. And someone says, but what could they bring out? A lot of the things that, to be quite honest, I already train, but you've not seen on the exam or heard about on the exam for a while. Let me, let me give you one example, just one example. Okay. In the seventh edition, this page right here, okay? I know some of you, you, you've already started eating it all up and that's okay. But that page, page 19, a lot of folks who read the six, they'll look at that and say, okay, mm, kind of makes sense, but okay. That stuff used to be hugely emphasized over a decade ago. And as I taught people for the exam, I used to emphasize a lot about the product life cycle. And then it kind of phased out and I stopped. And now you see it there on that page. It's relevant. It's coming back. A lot of times we talk about Herzberg, McGregor, Maslow, names that people ended up forgetting quite a bit towards the end of last year. They're talked about here. I'm not saying they are going to absolutely come up, but I'm just telling you, there is stuff that is already being taught that is not new that's in the book. Who knows? And there's stuff that has not appeared in any other PMBOK guides as well. And... In a matter of time, you're going to be hearing people say, oh, that word from the seventh edition, I saw it on the exam. Trust me, it's going to happen. It's coming. You know, the PMI, they change their questions all throughout the year. Where do you think question writers are going to look to immediately? And, you know, I don't know whether to say it's the good thing or the bad thing about the seventh edition. A lot of it is very high level, but it spurs your thinking. It does. It does. I just got off a call with my new PMP recruits who I've told them, you're going to get certified by the middle of September. Yes, you will. Right. And today we actually did take a look at the 12 principles because I felt that having a base of the 12 principles might help them be able to better tackle the questions. That's how I'm thinking. Imagine how those question writers are thinking. I'm just giving you some advice, friendly advice. Okay, so right now it's not become pressing to read the seventh. That's why you folks who have your exams coming up, don't reschedule, <laughs> do them. Work hard, take the exam. That's what I came on here to remind you about. For those of you that are taking a look at the seventh edition and you're not able to make sense of it yet, I want to help you make sense of it. But before I do that, I also want to answer any questions that you might have. So if you have any questions whatsoever, uh, you can feel free to put them in the chat box. But I'm going to go ahead and show you how I feel you should perceive the seventh edition. Right now, like I said, there's no imminent threat. But it will get to the point where we are not able to ward off the seventh much longer. And I feel you're going to have to learn more about the seventh. And for that reason, as you can see up there, if you go to hybridprojectmanagement.com, you'll see that we have training scheduled for the seventh. We're going to start, my buddy Roy and I, we are going to start training you. Those of you who are taking your exam in Q1 2022, 
late Q4 2021, we know that we can't ward it off for too long. And that's why in hybridprojectmanagement.com, starting in September, we're going to be training the seventh edition. We don't want to wait till when we start getting all this news. We want to do it now. For those of you who are planning on taking your exam three months out, two months out, you know, that's the plan. Okay. Now, to just give you a very firm base for you to understand the seventh, I want to share just a few, a few things that I would say are a little bit exciting regarding the seventh edition, so to speak. And, um, you know, as a, a project management geek, exciting is relative, right? The way we PM geeks look at exciting is different from the way you folks who are not may look at exciting. We look at things that we've not seen previously as been exciting. And we also look at things that um, could help you see project management in a new light as exciting and also things that simplify it. So let me show you just one of the things that I find somewhat interesting uh, about how they've packaged these things. At first, I was like, I don't know, why do you have to coin another big term? But I, I want to show it to you for all it's worth. All right. So talking about the Pembok Guide 7th edition, it has many nooks and crannies. And uh, to really get to the point I want to get to, I've got to show you some of the nooks and crannies in this book by showing you the high-level overview. So here's a high-level overview. What we used to know as uh, process groups have gone away and they've been replaced with these principles in terms of space, not in terms of thinking or application, but in terms of space. That's one. Two, what we have known as uh, knowledge areas, they have pretty much gone away and we're seeing the talk about the domains, okay? And of course, there are appendices, there's a glossary, there's standards plus, which I think is really awesome because it is an unending uh, plethora of stuff that you can use to learn and grow. That's on PMI's website, that's that. Okay, so that's how it's changed at a high level. But if you get into the details, the very first thing you see after getting through all the ceremonies of introduction and why the seventh you hit this set of stuff called a system for value delivery and all i want to do today is show you what that system for value delivery looks like and like i said those of you who've been in project management for a while you might get excited over it you might just look at it with disdain and say oh just a big term. Well, I like the way they've made it a big term because people will take notice of the big term. It's called a system for value delivery. And for the longest time, people have never been able to get their mind around the, the portfolios, the programs, the projects, and look at it as one composite whole. And that is why, obviously, they've taken it and they've made it into a system. Because in the word system, we immediately think, oh, system has components. So it forces you to think like this. You've got a portfolio, let's say portfolio A. Inside portfolio A, you've got a program. Inside that program, well, of course, you've got projects. Those shiny things at the bottom, those are the projects. And then you've got program A2 inside portfolio A. So the idea is that we've got a portfolio, a mass of lots of work being done, and then we break that down into programs, multiple interrelated projects, right? And then we also look at 
portfolio B, which has standalone projects in it, standalone projects that are not in a program. And then we also have program B1, which is full of projects itself. So it shows you the hierarchies and the relationships within the system. You can have portfolios in the system for value delivery. You can have programs such as program N1, that is a standalone program. And inside that program, you got projects. But you also have standalone projects within this system for value delivery. And guess what? What supports the portfolios, the programs, and the projects? It's the operations. It's the operations. So when you take a look at this system for value delivery, you see how projects, programs, and portfolios work together for the betterment of the organization. Why do we run these projects, programs, portfolios to deliver value? That's the overall idea. And like I said, it makes you pay attention, if nothing else. Okay. Now, when you take a look at this system for value delivery, I want you to think about a different type of system. I want you to think about a biological system. Hey, how about an aquarium? Let's, let's think about an aquarium. If we think about an aquarium as the system for value delivery, it becomes a lot easier to remember the components. So what I want to teach you this afternoon before we jump off here is how to look at the system for value delivery through the lens of an aquarium of all things. Yes. So I want you to think about boulders in the aquarium as the portfolios. I want you to think about the big rocks as the programs. I want you to think about the pebbles as the projects. I want you to think about the water as the sustaining force for these programs, projects, and portfolios. It becomes easier to remember it. And then I want you to think about the sand as the outcomes. And you know what else? I want you to think about the plants as the benefits. Now you will never forget <laughs> the system for value delivery because you're going to be thinking about Phil's aquarium now. You're going to be thinking about boulders as the portfolios, rocks as the programs, those tiny little pebbles there, you're going to be thinking about them as the projects. You're going to be thinking about the sand as the outcomes. You're going to be thinking about the water as the operations and the benefits. You're going to be thinking about that as the plants. And what do the plants do to the stakeholders? They fish. They give them value. So when we think about value, what is value? Value is the net quantifiable benefits that you derive from that product, service, or result. And that, my friends, is a system for value delivery. And like I said, it's not entirely new. You got something similar in the sixth edition. It just isn't called this. Okay? And PMI, this image is going to stick in people's heads. So it wasn't a bad call to put it into the seventh. What this does for me as a trainer is it simplifies things for me to be able to tell folks, do you understand the system for value delivery? And if the answer is no, then I know that you don't know how portfolios, programs, and projects interrelate through PMI's unique lens. And that is one of the advantages that I see in 
coining some of these things in the seventh. Okay. Now I know that lots of you have seen my videos about the seventh and my displeasure about some of the things there. And it did yield some traction, believe it or not. It did yield some traction because they knew there's a lunatic out there who ain't going to buy all of this stuff. We better pack it together, make it come correct, which they did. And you see that we've not discarded the sixth. A lot of people think the sixth is gone. No, it's in standards plus, right? So a lot of my displeasure about the seventh, now that we can finally see the thing, we see the damage done and we see the good things done. And it's a bit of give and take, okay? But there are some really good things in it. And this aquarium view is one of them, right? Value delivery system. It's a good way of looking at it. All right, that's not all. I've got one more thing I wanna show you before we leave today. Okay, so now I've taught you the value delivery system you got an idea of how to look at that piece. But I've got something else I need to show you. The next thing I would like to show you is my own unique view of how these principles in the seventh edition relate with what the PMI have coined as domains in the seventh edition which are new okay don't worry some of you never seen this and again what i'm showing you here is not damaging okay so you don't need to run for the hills but it is good for you to understand how everything is interwoven because what i intend doing right now is showing you how to combine these pieces in the sixth the seventh and the Agile Practice Guide. Okay. So, never before seen like this. <laughs> Definitely not in the Pembok Guide. This is Phil's own unique view. I'm going to show you, those of you who have not been watching the channel, I'm going to introduce you to the Process Group Pentagon. In project management, there are five groups of processes. And we call them initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. But guess what? They are supported by the 12 principles. Those are at the base. Someone says, what are the 12 principles? Well, be a diligent, respectful, caring steward. Create a collaborative project team environment. Teamwork makes a dream work. Effectively engage with stakeholders. If your stakeholders aren't engaged, you are finished. They'll kill your project. So get them engaged effectively, right? Focus on value. What happens when you don't focus on value? You produce garbage. No one's going to use it. Customers are not going to pay for it. And even if they do, you lost them. So we need to focus on value so that whatever we deliver is truly valuable to the customer. We want to recognize, evaluate, and respond to systems interactions, demonstrate leadership behaviors, right? What is leadership? It's all about influence. Tailor based on context. Don't use the entire kitchen sink. You got to tailor it down, right? Build quality into processes and deliverables for obvious reasons. Navigate complexity, whether it's human, human behavior, human interactions, system behavior, system interactions, whatever it is, you got to navigate complexity. And you got to throw in a dose of agile because PMI's research. I know lots of you may not read PMI's white papers, but you should. 
because you're a member of the PMI and your membership fees and monies you pay the PMI, they use it to do this research. You should be reading their research. Anyway, long story short, research that they did, it showed that those companies that are agile in their thinking, but predictive in their approach, are a lot more successful than companies that are predictive in their thinking and predictive in their approach. So what does that tell you? Agile adds immense value and advantage. So you've got to navigate complexity with an agile mindset. I'm not talking about using agile methods. I'm talking about an agile mindset. Number 10, optimize risk responses. How do you do that? Respond the most appropriate and the best way in the interest of the firm to risk, be they positive or negative. Number 11, embrace adaptability and resiliency. Be adaptable, be resilient. How do you do that? Number 12, enable change. So being adaptable and resilient is all about you bouncing back in response to change. Number 12 is about enabling change in the first place to achieve the envisioned future state. What do we mean by that? Well, a project moves you from state A to state B. It moves you from your current state to your future state. And these are things that you're just expected to do. So when you have that in mind and you take a look at the five process groups, it then makes sense as to why you need to think about the principles first, okay? Do you have any questions about the principles or the seventh edition? Don't hesitate to ask. Okay, so I'm just going to put a chat here. Ask away, please, if you have questions. I'll be more than happy to take them. All right. So now you've got the view of the five process groups and the 12 principles of project management. The next step is for you to put the knowledge areas of integration, scope, schedule, cost, quality, resources, communications, risk in the middle, because everything has a risk surrounding it, right? Procurement and stakeholder. Once you understand the 12 principles, the five process groups, and the 10 knowledge areas, you are on your way. <laughs> You're on your way to understanding this crazy maze of project management as presented across three publications. What are the three publications? The PMBOK Guide, sixth edition, which has the knowledge areas process groups, right? The seventh edition, which has these principles I just went over with you. And one more component in, that's right, the seventh edition is the domains. So let's talk about the domains real quick. Domains. Here we go. Here are the domains. And for those of you who have purchased your hard copies, those of you who like to mark stuff up, let's open it up. You know, one of the things that I found quite impressive about the seventh edition is the fact that this is in color. Some of the pages are in color. I'm like, they stepped up the game. All right. Take a look at that. That's in color. I'm like, wow, PMI. I got to give you a round of applause for that one because you just upped the game. Now what's going to happen, some people are going to try to print in color, but you already know other people had started printing color prior 
some of our study guides were given to our students in color. So it's not entirely new, but it's definitely a classy edition, isn't it? All right, so we're going to page seven and we're gonna be taking a look at these performance domains. And I'm gonna go over them real quick. Okay, let's jump in. Performance domains, take them down one by one. Let's start off with stakeholder. The stakeholder performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with stakeholders. Effective execution of this performance domain results in the following desired outcomes, a productive working relationship with stakeholders, stakeholder agreement with project objectives, stakeholders who are project beneficiaries are supportive and satisfied, while stakeholders who may oppose the project or its deliverables do not negatively impact project outcomes. Wouldn't that be cool to get that to happen on your project? That's a stakeholder performance domain. So some of the things you need to be thinking about here are stakeholder engagement. You got to identify them, understand and analyze them, prioritize how you're going to you know, chase these stakeholders down and engage them, monitor them. So as you go through that, you see that is just stakeholder management knowledge area. <laughs> That's stakeholder management knowledge area. All right. With that said, let's move on to our next one. Next one is a team, team performance domain. It's on page 16. The team performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with the people who are responsible for producing project deliverables that realize business outcomes. So what exactly are we doing here? What are we looking for? The outcomes we are looking for, shared ownership for the team members to all take ownership. A high-performing team applicable leadership and other interpersonal skills demonstrated by all team members. It makes absolute sense. So when you think about this, this is really chapter nine in the sixth edition. We have all sorts of great stuff talked about here and some of the highlights are understanding the importance of team development, the importance of Roadblock removal, we talk about impediments and things like that, leadership skills, and a lot, of, a lot of great stuff, critical thinking. We won't go into all of that. But teamwork makes a dream work, that's for sure. Number three, development approach and life cycle. So for those of you getting ready for the exam, again, I told you, there's nothing entirely new in some of these sections. Nothing entirely new. When we talk about the development approach, it reads, the development approach and life cycle performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with the development approach, cadence, and life cycle phases of the project. What are the desired, outcome? desired outcomes? Development approach that is consistent with project deliverables, a project life cycle consisting of phases that connect the deliverable, the delivery of the business and stakeholder value from the beginning to the end, and a project life cycle consisting of phases. Here's the summary, here's the summary. As a project manager on a project, will you choose a predictive hybrid or agile approach? Page 35, the more uncertainty you have, the more agile you have to be. 
and that is really the story in development approach and life cycle, not entirely new. The next one here is planning. Planning is on page 51 and it just reads, this addresses activities and functions associated with the initial ongoing and evolving organization and coordination necessary for delivering project deliverables and outcomes. So what are the outcomes you're looking for from planning? The project progresses in an orderly fashion. There is a holistic approach to delivering the project outcomes. Evolving information is elaborated to produce the deliverables and outcomes to which the project was undertaken. Time spent planning is appropriate for the situation. Planning information is sufficient to manage stakeholder expectations. And there is a process for the adaptation of plans throughout the process, throughout the project based on emerging and changing needs or conditions. All right, let's go to our next one. The next one here is project work. Now, this one of project work, I found it to be pretty all over the place. Okay. It took a bunch of knowledge areas and it just stuck them into this domain called project work. It reads, project work, this performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with establishing project processes managing physical resources and fostering a learning environment. So immediately you see manage project knowledge and you also see a lot of stuff in resources. The outcomes you expect from here, efficient and effective project performance. Project processes are appropriate for the project, appropriate communications, efficient management of resources, physical resources, effective management of procurement. You see, I told you it's kind of all over the place. And lastly, improved team capability. So it touches a number of areas, integration, procurement, resources, and that's okay. All right, let's move on. We got uh, three more. The next one is deliverables or delivery, I beg your pardon. The delivery performance domain, it reads, this performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with delivering the scope and quality that the project was undertaken to achieve. Now, if you read the outcomes, Projects contribute to business objectives and advancement of strategy. Projects realize the outcomes they were intent initiated to deliver. Project benefits are realized in the time frame in which they were planned. The project team has clear understanding of requirements and stakeholders accept and are satisfied with project deliverable. So when you take a look at this, what you're, what you're seeing is something more of a scope nature. You're seeing a little bit of scope. You're seeing a little bit of integration. You're seeing a little bit of stakeholders, perhaps. So again, it's one that is not just one knowledge area, but a combination of knowledge areas. They also include the definition of done, which kind of takes you down the agile terrain a little bit. All right, let's go to number seven. Number seven is measurement. And um, measurement, the good thing about measurement is it provokes a little bit of thought about Hey, what are you measuring? <laughs> what you're measuring, is that value? Should you be measuring what you're measuring? Or is that just needless work? So it reads, the measurement performance domain addresses activities and functions associated with assessing project performance and taking appropriate actions to maintain acceptable performance. Effective execution of this performance domain results in the following desired outcomes a reliable understanding of the status of the project, actionable data to facilitate decision-making. We call it work performance data, right? Timely and appropriate actions to keep project performance on track, 
and achieving targets and generating business value by making informed and timely decisions based on reliable forecasts and evaluations. So some of the key things we talk about here, metric baseline dashboard. That is deep in the heart of measurement because if you're going to measure, you need a metric. You need to understand which metrics are we measuring. You need to understand the baseline, a basis for measuring whatever you are. And you need to have a dashboard, whether it's charts or graphs or reports, whatever it is, showing these measures on the project. And within this discussion, we talk about key performance indicators. We talk about leading indicators, which predict changes or trends. And we talk about lagging indicators, which measure project deliverables or events. They provide information after the fact. That's why we call them lagging indicators. So there's some pretty interesting stuff to read here. We also have our friendly neighborhood earned value talked about in this section. We talk about business value. And a lot of you are horrified to see the shiny chart on page 105 of earned value. Sorry, you can't escape it. VAC, TCPI, all that stuff. It's here. All good stuff. And then we talk about information radiators, a term coined by our friend Alistair Coburn. Talk about visual controls, burn charts. What they did was they took stuff out of the Agile Practice Guide and they dumped it in here, page 110, 111. And that's okay. These are all valuable things for people to know. Last but not least, we talk about the uncertainty performance domain. It's on page 116. And it reads... This addresses activities and functions associated with risk and uncertainty. In other words, risk. We might as well have called it risk, right? So what do we intend getting from this performance domain? It says an awareness of the environment in which projects occur, proactively exploring, exploring and responding to uncertainty, an awareness of the interdependence of multiple variables on the project, the capacity to anticipate threats and opportunities and understand the consequences of issues, Project delivery with little or no negative impact from unforeseen events or conditions. Opportunities are realized. That's an important one. Take that back to your company. Tell them, hey, don't just think about the negative risks or threats. Think about the positive risks or opportunities. Don't leave money on the table. And lastly, cost and schedule reserves are utilized effectively to maintain alignment with project objectives. So some of the key words, favorite words I like here that are listed out on page 117, things that make you think risk, uncertainty, a lack of understanding and awareness, ambiguity, a state of being unclear, complexity, a characteristic of a program or project or its environment that is difficult to manage due to human behavior, system behavior, and ambiguity. Volatility, the possibility for rapid and unpredictable change and risk, an uncertain event or condition, if it occurs, has a positive or negative effect on one or more project objectives. And those, my friends, are the eight domains. Are you ready for the final piece of today's broadcast? The final piece is to put a pretty bow around everything we've talked about. And for those of you who are like, yeah, that's all well and good, Phil, but I want to know more. I want to know more. Hey, Go on down to hybridprojectmanagement.com. Sign up for our September classes. We're going to have your buddy Phil and your buddy Roy. My buddy Roy, he's going to bring it when it comes to the Agile pieces. All of the stuff that we have to talk about in the seven, we're going to take a look at it from two lenses. The lens of Agile 
and the lens of hybrid or predictive. We're going to take a look at the extremes and the in-between. And by the time we are done, those of you, you know, I know I'm talking now to my PMBOK scholars, those of you who have the seventh edition, the sixth edition, the fifth edition, the fourth edition, the third edition, maybe you only have the fifth or the sixth, but you're still a scholar. You know who you are. You need to go on down, sign up, come to a workshop where we talk about the future of project management. This is not a PMP exam training course, by the way. So, you know, if you really are looking forward to understanding more of the seventh and applying it to the real world from an agile lens, a hybrid lens, a predictive lens, you need to go on down to hybridprojectmanagement.com. Do it, do it right now, because you know, you want to know more about what your friends at the PMI have done and you don't have the horsepower to go through it yourself. But Roy and I will be doing this over four weeks, okay? Now, are you ready to see the final picture? This is the final picture of the seventh, the sixth. Oh, I should have mentioned. And Agile. So this is this is going to be quite a journey in the next few seconds here that I'm going to bring up to show you there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to show you here in the meantime let's see any questions all right <laughs> I stopped the recording for a second let's continue so what I'm about to show you is everything together and I refer to this one more time I call it the process group pentagon not in the PMBOK guide this is my own unique view of the world of project management. I would really like for you folks to look for the links. I put these links up uh, previously, but I want you to take these links and I want you to share the images with people who are struggling to understand. You know, for those of you who actually teach this stuff, go ahead and use those sheets that I've shared. But I want you to take each one of these knowledge areas and put it in context and help people understand all the knowledge areas from this angle of the pentagon with risk in the middle with the principles at the base and with the five process groups surrounding i want you to take these things and explain to people because a lot of folks are they're getting lost and that's no good right we as project leaders need to explain to people who are lost how to navigate the terrain, all right? So with that said, let's take a look one more time. We've talked about the 10 knowledge areas, the five process groups. Are you ready? Here's the last piece. Last piece is the domains. So stakeholder domain maps to stakeholders, team domain maps to resources, development approach and life cycle domain maps heavily to integration, planning domain just maps to planning process group. Project work maps to resources. Project work also maps to integration. Delivery maps to scope. Measurement maps very, very heavily to monitoring and controlling. You could say a little bit of integration, but it's across monitoring and controlling. Uncertainty, of course, maps to risk. What else? <laughs> and delivery domain maps to quality. Project work domain maps heavily to executing. And guess what? You take this image 
of your PMBOK guide six and sevens combined, you know what we're going to do with it? We are going to put it into a bigger container. Someone says, what are you talking about? For which container? I'll show you. We're going to take all of this great stuff we've talked about, 12 principles at the base, the knowledge areas, the process groups, the domains, and we're going to talk about more overarching thinking. Think about this. All the stuff we've been talking about for the past 20 minutes or so. Why do this? Who's it for? Humans? People? I'm telling you, if there were no people, there would be no projects. So the idea about individuals and interactions over processes and tools is far-reaching. Roy, my buddy and I, we've talked about this for so long, how the four values in the Agile Manifesto are so far-reaching that any company in their right mind should take them and make them their mantra. Whether you are selling coffee in a window at Starbucks, whether you, I don't know, whether you are at a fast food joint stuck in a window, it's all about individuals and interactions. It's not about your processes and tools. It's about the humans that you're serving. It's about the humans you're working with. Another overarching thought is a working product over comprehensive documentation. How would you like it if you went to your favorite food joint and you got food that tasted like garbage and they said, hey, here's, here's a leaflet advertising our services to you. Well, they just gave you a horrible product. The most important thing, working product over comprehensive documentation. They didn't pay attention to that. And again, it's an overarching thought that trumps anything that you've developed anyway. It's all about give your customers a working product, be, be it a plate of food, be it a gadget, be it a service of any sort, working product. And that's why I'm showing you that this underpins everything else we've been talking about. What about customer collaboration over contract negotiation? Have you ever been an irate customer, mad, concerned, upset, and you're there right in front of a, a, an attendant, a customer service person, and they're showing you, well, the contract said, doesn't that just make you mad? <laughs> have you ever been that irate customer? I have been. Yes, I have. You probably have seen me being the irate PMI member. Not very, very happy. You know what I'm talking about. It, so this is not just software or hardware or a project. It's everywhere. Everywhere. And I encourage every organization to adopt these values. You've got to work with your customer. Now, I want you to think about the situations whereby you encountered a really awesome customer support person who just got a bucket of ice and douse out the flames and you had goosebumps <laughs> you know what i'm talking about because they sorted you out so good you begin to say oh my goodness did i behave irrationally 
did I did I scare them? <laughs> Because now they're taking care of you. They're apologizing. They're making it good with you. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. And that's why I say customer collaboration trumps everything. You got to work with your customer. You got to understand that having that customer in your company, in your business, is a privilege to you because they could have gone anywhere else. Someone said that even if you're a company owner, you very quickly realize that you have a boss, the customer, because they can go anywhere and spend their money somewhere else. And that's why the likes of Disney, when they have people coming into their company, they realize they're not just visiting Disneyland as a customer. No, 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 no. They are a guest. They realize they are a guest and they hold them in high esteem. And that's the mindset other companies need to adopt. Have you ever seen in the media, in the news, when people are treated so shabbily in a service? It's disheartening. They obviously need to learn the Agile Manifesto values. Last but not least, responding to change over following a plan. Again, don't be prescriptive because when rubber meets the road, when craziness happens, you got to respond to that change. Whether you are in a business on Main Street or whether you are in New York in one of those intimidating buildings, right? You got to practice the same thing. Respond to change. Respond to change. Don't just follow the plan. Plan ain't working anymore. Iron Mike Tyson, he said, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the mouth. And your plan just falls out. And then what do you do? You got to respond to change. You got it. You got to respond to change. Look at the likes of the great gymnast, Simone Biles. She had to respond to change. She obviously had a plan, but she she was smart. She responded to change. So, so what I'm saying, my friends, in essence is these four values, this is life. This is not just project. And that's why I encourage you to read the Agile Manifesto because you see that the Agile Manifesto values are so far-reaching. Now, You saw it coming because you saw a bubble pop up on, on the screen. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Phil, hey, don't do it, Phil. Uh, don't start. Don't start what you can't finish. Yes, we're talking about the 12, the awesome 12 principles. Those are what you would refer to as the nails that hold everything in, everything. So when I take a look at this picture of the seventh and of the sixth, I see an agile lens around it. You can blame my buddy Roy <laughs> for this because he's an agile junkie. Everything revolves in my mind, everything you do, I, I, I don't care whatever you do, you've probably seen my videos where I show you how the 12 PMI principles map back to the agile manifesto principles. I truly do believe the Agile Manifesto values and principles, they're so far-reaching. On social media a few days ago, someone said, oh, don't you think the Agile Manifesto values and principles need a facelift to, to adapt them for today? And it was a tongue-in-cheek question. Of course, the answer is no. They're so far-reaching. Why do you want to reinvent the way? Why do you want to reinvent what works? All right, so my friends, when you take a look at project management, 
This is meant to help you see how the worlds combine. I didn't say collide, how they combine to give you a bigger bang for your buck. That's the idea. Everything is interrelated. Nothing is wasted. Trust me, you will find a project like my friends at the FBI who realize, uh-oh, we can't do this one. We can't do it with predictive. They try to do the virtual case file project with predictive. It didn't work. Not until they decided to use an agile approach did they actually get the virtual case file project done. Go Google it. FBI virtual case file project. You see, they couldn't. They couldn't get it done with predictive. They had to use a dose of agile. In the same token, there are some projects that you just cannot do agile. It won't make sense. You got to bring your predictive game. Okay? So as you get ready for the PMP exam, Dibaba, how are you doing? Good to see you. So as you get ready for the PMP exam, what you're going to realize is that a lot of the content is all interrelated. It's just spoken about with different language, different lingo, but it's all interrelated, okay? And that's the story. That's how I see the world of project management in the seventh edition, in the sixth edition, and in the Agile Practice Guide, okay? So I want to say thank you very much for coming. I appreciate you joining. If you got any questions, feel free to share them after the fact, okay? But don't forget, my buddy Roy and I, September 2021, hybridprojectmanagement.com. Go on down there. And if you are keen on learning more about the seventh and blowing the lid off this thing, getting really good with the seventh, you need to be on this workshop, all right? Thank you very much. I wish you all the very best if you're taking the PMP exam again. I told you, don't read it. Just show up, watch my videos, show up for training that is based on the six and the Agile Practice Guide. You're going to be good, but only for so long. Like I said, eventually, I believe that the exam will have a whole lot more of this stuff in it. It's going to have a whole lot more. All right. You take care, my friends. I'll speak to you very soon. Bye for now.